Rodney. Lemon yeah. pill, homie. Lemon pill. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Blend it. I'm, Put it in your I, right, I'm in week three of my of my cleanse. And then this week, I am having a shake for breakfast, food for lunch, and then another shake for, for uh, dinner. One of the things I like to do to spice up my shakes and get some different nutrients is to put lemon peel in my shake. Mm. Get it all choppy. Mm. <laughs> Chop it I like the it, it actually when I do it with like a berry shake, it has has like mm. this um it, it, almost a skittle like flavor that it adds mm. to uh the shake. It's great. Mm. Natural mm. skittles. It tastes like Skittles. Put some mm. lemon in it. Mm. Just not <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to More In Common Podcast. I am your co-host, Keith, with my guy. I'm your other host. My name's Rodney. We're about compassionate conversation. More specifically, we are inspiring and driving productive human connection by anchoring humanity in compassionate conversation. That's what we're about. Dramatic pause for drama. And compassion, compassion, compassion. Empathy is cool too. Like if if you can access empathy, sweet. But I'm saying compassion might be the key because you don't have to really feel what someone else is going through to just realize they're human, and that because of that they deserve compassion. That's it. Give compassion to somebody you don't agree with. See how freeing that. See how freeing that is. And then with today's episode with Dane Flanagan, we talk about that. It's toward the end of this conversation. Big part of it. Oh, I'm excited about bringing that one here. And then we talk about a lot of other things. His, his, his channel of energy and positivity, his entrepreneurial spirit and the direction that he's gone to build multiple businesses and, and how he's created a, a second avenue for channeling creativity that help him build his business. We, We've, we, we've got a lot of things that we talk about. We talk about positivity. We talk about energy. We talk about different work cultures and, and how that plays out in a recruiting space and helping somebody understand that though the job's the same, everything's different because the, the culture's different. We talk about his family. We talk about risk-taking. We get into a lot of good stuff in this. So I just want to say before we get into it, head out to our website, moreincommonent.com. To check out all things more in common, more in common ent.com. Let's go. Like, we fear being unemployed. We fear not having a house. Uh, we fear not being loved. Right. And it was a, it's a fear. I mean, do you know who lives in $35 night motels? I mean, who's there? I mean, it's people that normally, you know, are people of the night, you know, people who have habitual problems. You know, um, and we disassociate those people. They're not like us or I'm not, I'll never be like that until you're in that situation. And you're like, wow, this is what it's like. This is life. <laughs> and I can laugh about it now. But at the time, like it was scary. You know, I would lock the door and, you know, put the blankets up like, oh, my gosh, you know, but. All right. Dane, welcome to the show, my man. How you feeling? Thank you. I feel great. 
Pleasure Good. to be here. Well, yeah. listen, in the lead up, as our audience knows about our rapid fire, though they never hear it, um, we asked you what you're interested in right now, and you started telling us about how you've, I mean, you've started multiple businesses, and in starting those businesses, you get all consumed by them. But recently, you've decided to pick up photography and get you more connected. What has picking up photography done for you? Because, and let me ask, let me give some context. We often hear like when you're starting something, you're creating, like it's necessary to get all consumed by it. Yet you are making a conscious effort to balance yourself out. So what is what has that photography done for you in your business, in your life, however it may be? Um I, I think I think artistic things for me um kind of open up the creative brain. You know, like you think less about numbers, less about quantitative. Um, you think more about quality, you think more about uh, color, color schemes, patterns, things are less rigid. And it's, you know, like you can take a picture and you can show it to someone, they'll be like, man, what is that? And you can show it to someone else, they're like, that's beautiful. But it's not definitive. And that, that's art. And I think for, for me uh, personally, you know, that, that what, that's what photography means. It means like just being creative, going out there and messing up. It also means learning something too that I've never known before. So that kind of creates like a different road, a different path and something to take up. And, and just personally, I know that when I'm, I can tell when I'm good at something. A few years ago, I tried to pick up the guitar and my wife was like, uh, we need to get rid of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't good at it. Um, and but I've heard, you know, some people pick up the, the guitar and play the piano that that can't even read music that are just like, doo -doo 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 -doo, you know, like just, you know, that creative chime works for them where, you know, like sometimes your brain works that way. You know, some people can pick up a canvas and start painting and you're like, you know, you're you. you wow. You know, it's just it's just the way art is. So on this thing, so this work, you said uh, a buddy, a friend asked you what you were doing one weekend and you were like, work, or what are you doing for fun? And you were like, work. And so the question I have for both of you, starting with Dane, is can work be fun? Oh, for me, work is fun. You know, I, I love it. I enjoy it. But it's still, I mean, it like any vice, man, you can't let it consume you, right? Like um, you have, there has to be an outlet. And your brain has to have, you know, you, your brain has to balance itself out. So that's just the way that I think sometimes. Like I, you, I can't do everything. You can't do everything at a high level. Um, sometimes you just need to do something else. And honestly, when you pick up a new hobby, you start at a low level, right? Like you start at a kindergarten level, right? You kind of build your way up. But that allows your brain to learn something else as well. And that's sometimes like uh, you just kind of need it in order to let your brain relax, you know, sleep a little bit, meditate. So. I have a follow-up on that, but since you posed it to both of us, I think it's a, a, a societal expectation of what work is that creates a relationship that is either negative or positive, when I think it can be both, depending on what it is. You, you'll hear, I'll never, you know, they pay me for this stuff, I'll never work a day in my life, when people are getting paid <laughs> to do something that they love, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, I think as a result, it all depends on what you call work. I think it can be fun. And if it's just what you're getting paid to do, well, whatever you get paid to do can absolutely be fun. If you want to call that work, call it work. So that's, that's kind of where I've come to on that. How about you, Rodney? What do you think? I agree with both of you. I agree with both of you. I think um, 
it's not so much about balance as it is harmony because sometimes work takes 80 hours or it takes whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm okay with that. It does affect other things in my life, but there are times where work takes 10 hours and I get to have more time with the family or with the hobby or reading or whatever. Um, and I think I love the concept of striving for harmony and just peace. Like for me last week was really, it was an inch. I was going to say challenging, but it wasn't actually challenging. It was just, it was what it needed to be. My daughter, my youngest daughter's teething and she wouldn't nap unless she was in my hand, in my arms. So that's what it was for three hours a day for five <laughs> days in the middle of my work day. And I was just like, but I'm not going to care about the emails that I didn't respond to in 18 years. So this is where I need to be. So like the harmony of the moment was like, this is where I got to be and where I want to be, frankly. But yeah, no, I think it can be good and, yeah, and I, bad, I, as you both pointed out. I love that harmony. And, and, and it's a big picture harmony. Yeah, and I think, you, I mean, you can say balance, balance, harmony, because yeah. when it's out of balance, yeah. I think that's when when it gets to totally. be destructive. So to your point about device. Follow up question on that is since you've started multiple businesses and the photography thing is still fairly new, like how long did it take you to come to that place of not letting that thing consume you as to affect other things? Uh, I believe in being consumed. I believe in letting it take mm. control of you. What you see, what you eat, what you hear, what you listen to. It's a choice, I believe, you know. Sometimes that choice can be negative or positive. For my dad, my dad worked for Ford Motor Company for over, you know, 30 years and he hated his job. <laughs> and but he comes from that that um, you know, that period of of American life where, you know, you that's what you did. You worked a job, you know, you came home. And, you know, I remember my brother. Uh, saying that, you know, he wanted to grow up and work at Ford. My dad was like, I'm not paying for you to go to college to to do what I did, you know, to make the same mistake I did, you know. And I he was telling to my brother what I was listening to. And uh, for me, you know, I think I've spent a lot of my life, and that's why it's important to kind of do what I like doing, do what you love, you know, what you love to do. You know, everything is kind of secondary to being happy. And, you know, Rodney, if, you know, and I'm sure that your daughter, you know, holding her for that period of time, like made you the happiest guy in the world. You know, it sounds, it sounds probably, you know, a slice of life, but it, it it's probably something you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Yeah. It, it will be for sure. Now, like the first day or two, I was like, I need to be working. Like I, I, I was, it was kind of a guilt thing. Like I, I owe other people stuff, so I need to be doing this. And then I just kind of had a reframe on it. So yeah, no, hundred percent. I'll remember that. Cause I, cause one of the things I thought about holding her is like one day she's not going to want me to hold her and she's going to be too big for me to hold like this. So it's like, <laughs> let me just take all the memory pictures I can. That idea of consumption, like, I like the way you frame that. I think it's not, it's not about being consumed. It's about being consumed by the things that you care about versus being consumed by the dislike of your job. Right. I think a lot of us understand that. Like I am so consumed by this negative energy because that's what we know. That's what we talk about. We commiserate about it. It's easy. You can find anybody to relate to you about hating a job, right? It's actually pretty easy if you make the effort, but in day-to-day -day life it can be pretty hard to find people who consume themselves with a bunch of positivity, right? So Love their job. 
and consume themselves with it. Dane, what has your... I, I think a lot of that starts with your job. Mm. Well, what is... I'm curious... Just because it's what you do every day, right? Um, yeah. Um, no, I, I just think it's it's what you do every day, right? Like, um, you see people that are frustrated in life um, or frustrated with their family, and it's not necessarily their family or their life. It's what they're doing. And, um, and we all have bills. We all have, you know, people that are paying us, you know, money to do something. Um, we all have customers. So it's... Uh, we, we get in that trap and it, it can, it can be frustrating. It can be debilitating. And that's what the fight is sometimes with our, within ourselves is, you know, we need a break. And, you know, for some people it's, especially during this time during COVID, you know, I, um, I just can't imagine, you know, how, how hard it must be for some people, especially those with kids, especially those with a family, you know, that are frustrated, you know, and that's why I think, Maybe this, the positive point about COVID will be people are able to work from home, but, you know, like just to see all the great things that there are about working from home. During the day, I, I work outside, you know, I, I set up a table and put my computer and, and laptop outside and it's a totally different environment for me from being in walls um, and allows my brain to think a little bit better too. Now when I have to take a call, I have to go inside, but, you know, I think just this little slice of life that people will be able to enjoy of, you know, you don't have to be within walls in order to be productive is totally well, hopefully can will change you know the way that americans work going forward that's amazing i actually took a call this week with a guy who's in bali and he stepped out to his front porch so i got this like forest background and then i could hear all of the nature <laughs> it was the calmest call i've ever been on in my life um <laughs> and one of the most productive as well like between those two things, I'm gonna start working outside. So that's about to happen. Um, that idea, <laughs> that that struggle, and that 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 fight, that inner fight, like trying to be happy, trying to be content with like I'm getting paid, and I I do have to answer to some people, like all of those things, and taking your dad's advice. What's your what's your professional career been all the way up to this this venture that you you you've just recently started? Like, what has that been like for you? Um. You know, for me, it's uh, it's some of it's been bending towards the market. You know, I was a, a corporate person from the time I graduated. You know, went to grad school. Um, I always always worked in a corporate setting, and I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I had a chance to you know make an establishment, make money. But for for me also too was the point where I wanted to be creative, and I got into real estate, and um, really that allowed me to be a creative person as to, you know, discovering new parts of Los Angeles and, you know, coming in and rehabbing homes the way that, you know, I, I thought was, you know, eclectic and beautiful. Mm. And then when, you know, the 2009, 2008 crash happened, it was like, okay, your career has to kind of go towards the market. You have to change, you have to adapt, you have to learn something new. And that's, you know, it took me into the private aviation industry of learning, you know, a new skill. So I think um, for me, it's been, you know, wavering towards the market, uh, but also to going towards things that I like to do that I'm enthralled about that I, that interest me. It's, uh, I, I love hearing about people that love their job. <laughs> yeah. I, so, do, so do I, um, so do we, yeah. I love, so I want to dig in on this a little bit as to your, your mentality of where it came from, how you manage that and balance that idea I think is actually one of the bigger macroeconomic challenges that we have today and social challenges 
is willingness to make a move, to change, to change what I know, change what I do. I've been doing something for 15 years and my industry is going down the toilet. Now what do I do? Right. And we see that generation after generation. That is not a millennial thing. That is not an entitled thing. That is a comfort human existence thing. And it takes a conscious effort to not do that. Like, is it conscious for you? Is it like something that you've always done? Is, was there a moment that said, no, this, this has to happen? Like the comfort to just say, you know, hey, 2008 happened and I just had to make a change. Where does that come from? Well, one, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, right? Like it's just, it's in my DNA. I've always been that way ever since I was a kid and uh, had a little lot more business. And we, you know, I was cutting lawns and, you know, the other kids around me in the, in the community wanted to cut lawns. So I kind of, you know, got a gas, gas tank and a lawnmower and, you know, I would rent them out and allowed other people to cut their lawns. So I think, um, but also being a risk taker, you know, we talked about the weather in uh, in Texas. I used to live in Texas and I didn't like my job and I was going to grad school at night and I wasn't happy. And uh, I didn't have a job coming out to California and I didn't have a place to live. And so I took a risk by packing everything up and, and I lived over in one of those hotels off the 405 uh, for a while. <laughs> so so it's, uh, it's about taking a risk and taking a chance. And, you know, on my day-to-days now in recruiting, you know, I'll talk to people that want to go from, you know, finance to IT. And, you know, there's a realization when you speak to them, okay, you're making really good money now. You're going to be making okay money later because people want to pay you for your experience, but you have no experience in this field. And I think, I think it is a shock, you know, it is a shock. You know, it's like, I want to be in that culture. I want to be, I want to have fun at my job, but also too, like, there's a lot of things and there's a lot of and I say the word things, but there's a lot of leeway that that, you know, having an extra income provides for us. Right. Like, you know, we don't have to penny pinch. Um, we can buy what we want. We don't have to worry about uh, paying our bills. But, you know, when you make that jump, when you make that leap, you worry about those things like it's it's a stress. And sometimes it's just easier not to have that stress. So I think for me personally, it was I there's some things I can do without, you know, and. Uh, I'm willing sometimes to take on that stress in my life in order to, in order to be happy. Mm-hmm. Was there an assessment that you did, self or otherwise, to just acknowledge the stress that you would be taking on and and accept it, or did that happen post making the decision for you, or making decisions to be happy? Um, yeah, I, I didn't think I realized the amount of stress you know, like you never really realize how big that hole is until you jump in, you know, like, like, oh my gosh, this is hard. You know, I always say to people, um, you know, we, we all have the perfect plan, but then we realize that, you know, we're in the, we're in the boxing room with Mike Tyson, right? Like, and that guy hits hard, right? Like, like, uh, that guy hits really hard. So and as Mike Tyson just, says, a, it's a realization. Has a plan to they get to, punched in the face. Oh, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. And we, we all have plans. We'll have things that we want to do. Well, I was thinking this was going to work. And then you realize like, oh my gosh, like this is hard. You know, <laughs> did I think I was going to be living in a hotel in a, in a $35 a, a day motel? I mean, no, I didn't think that. I thought I'd come here and, you know, the weather was green and, you know, I'd be able to hang out and, you know, the beach was near. I, I thought it was going to be really cool. And I'm sure like, 
you know, talking to people like, oh my gosh, it's going to be really cool to go from, to, to make, you know, less money and to be in like a cool hip environment. And once you get in that culture, you're kind of like, this is really different, you know, like they don't wear suits to work. And so we're all shocked. We, we all see that sticker shock. And it's like, you know, is this, is this worth it? Is that stress? Is this not only what we envision, but can we deal with it? So I imagine living in a motel or a hotel for $35 a night with, without a job wasn't like the happiest time of your life. Is that, is that fair? I mean, you, you, you oh, don't seem like an unhappy it's, guy. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's, it's a word that people don't use as much, but it's a shock word and it's fear, mm -hmm. right? Like, like we fear being unemployed. We yeah. fear not having a house. Uh, we fear not being loved. Right. And it was a, it's a fear. I mean, do you know who lives in $35 night motels? I mean, who's there? I mean, it's people that normally, you know, are people of the night, you know, people who have habitual problems and we disassociate those people. They're not like us or I'm not, I'll never be like that until you're in that situation and you're like, wow, this is what it's like. This is life. <laughs> <laughs> and I can laugh about it now, but at the time, like it was scary. You know, I would lock the door and, you know, put the blankets up like, oh my gosh. You know? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a, mm. it's fear that, and that fear so, can sometimes drive you too. Cause you're like, I'm, I never want to get to that point again, or I never so, want to be broke. Now you kind of, I mean, obviously 2008 happened, but in a way made a choice to go out to LA without the job, like, cause you wanted, you were unhappy where you were in Texas, right? How have you been able to anchor on the knowledge that that choice, while it's giving me pain now, is for a purpose? Like it's for a reason. Yeah. So let me just back up on the timeline. I um yeah. I actually was living in Texas in the late nineties, and ninety eight to ninety nine, and packed up my bags and moved out here to California. Uh, I made the choice later to leave my corporate setting, leave the, you know, the steady income, the steady job, the steady paycheck to get into real estate full time. Mm. And then when the market crashed, uh, you know, like everything looks green on the other side, like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, real estate's great. You know, all these houses are selling, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go in these new areas, you know, Echo Park, downtown, Silver Lake, and it's going to be great, you know, and then the market crashes and you, you freeze, you know, like that fear comes back mm. again. I still had bills to pay. I wasn't really given a choice. Like I had to do something mm. different. I had to adapt to the, to what else was out there. You know, like if, you know, if I, I don't think I would have adapted or been so flexible if I had a trunk or a safe full of money, you know, I just, you know, I, I was, mm. the drive was really about like, okay, I, I've got to make it and I've got to do something else. And my skill set isn't available to me now. Wow. There's a natural transfer transition to this choice to, to start um, ultra health agency and want to talk a little bit about that, but how much influence did your parents have on building that mentality in you? Um, my, my parents aren't entrepreneurs. They're W2s. They're nine to fivers, you know, like they, um, you know, when I'm telling them I'm starting a new business, you know, I, I think their heads spin like what, why, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Really, I, I think my parents gave me the best they they had, you know, like uh, they gave me what they knew. Um, my parents were first generation uh, to go to college. My parents were New Yorkers who moved to Ohio. You know, they, they took that risk and that kind of showed me to take a risk. And also, too, my parents, you know, always 
thought that education was the way that my brothers and I would always succeed. And it has been. And I really, I think no matter what, no matter what country, what life we're in, like if you educate someone, they, they will succeed. So for me, I think they gave me that gift of the education. Now it would have been helped if my parents were, were loaded and you know they could have gave me a stockpile of cash too. Yeah, that would have oh, been a real help. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, daddy, yeah, like, safe. You, know, like, you mentioned your dad wasn't happy, like, 30 years for wasn't happy. Um, did your mom work? She did. Um, so my mom is a, a clinical um, social worker. And for her, my mom loves her job. My mom still works today, and she's in her 70s. Uh, my mom's wow. a, a hardcore worker, a real hard work ethic. And it's kind of different because... You know, I saw uh, as a kid and you were working with people, my mom worked for uh, Hamilton County uh, Health Department, which whenever you deal with, um, you know, people that are, you know, homeless, people that are that need clinical therapy, people that need help, you see a different side of life. And my mom loves helping people. And I think I gained a lot about that. Like it, it never really was about the money for my mom. It was always about like, oh, my gosh, look how many people I helped today. And I thought that was so cool. I like, growing up, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, like. That's cool. So what's been the transition? Like what inspired you to start Ultra Health Agency and start heading into a new direction, right? Because the last, what, however long you've been focused, you've been in the, uh, the private airline space, right? And now you're making a huge pivot. Like what, what sparked that decision? Where, where is that come from and how has it been for you? Um, when I worked in consulting, I, I had a lot of clients that were in the, the healthcare medical space and I saw the need for healthcare, for staffing, for recruiting. And just as a business person, I've always wanted to gravitate towards where the needle is, right? It's kind of like the Wayne Gretzky theory, not the fastest hockey player, not the strongest, but you know where the puck is. And me for business, um, I kind of want to know where the next movement has been. If you look at the the top industries, it's finance, it's tech, and you know healthcare. And I think, of course, over the last year, healthcare is, there's been a real telescope on healthcare because of the the situation of COVID nineteen and people taking more of a, a centered look at their healthcare. But also for me, it was kind of like um, I want to be involved in a platform for helping people. And two, you know, how how can I make an impact? It, these businesses that I've been in don't seem related, but they're very impactful, right? They're very high learning and they're very much a choice as to who you're working with as well. When you work in the healthcare field, it, it, you kind of work with different people that are, that are providers. When you recruit, you're working with people who, you know, who want a different culture, um, who want a different change of life, a different change of pace. And that makes a difference as to, you know, like how you can take your tools and match them to what the market is now. How long have you been uh, on this on this path? Um, so I started Ultra Health a couple of years ago in, in 2019, and uh, really the the business within itself um, was kind of correlating as to different companies that I had worked with, different doctors, and really it kind of whenever you consult with a company, you you kind of dive into that business, right? Like you get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of the of the of the industry, and. Uh, there's some things about some industries that I've worked with that I love. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I've got to get into this. I got to do this. And there's others that like, man, I could not see doing this every day for the rest of my life. And I think about when you get into work or when you get into a business and industry, 
it has to be the exact same way that you think about a house. Like I could be here for the rest of my life and be happy. Right. Mm. And if you buy a house knowing that, Hey, you need, well, we're going to be here for a year or two and then we're going to leave. It's the same way of thinking about a job. Like if, I, if you're only going to be there for a year or two, like why even, why even get into it? Right. If this is just a, a starter home or if this is just a fixer for you, if this is just a something temporary, why even do it? So why, why even do something halfway? The, the first part of that kind of, sparked a question like, what are you learning? What are you learning about healthcare? What are you learning about recruiting or what have you learned? What I've learned about healthcare was, is what healthcare really is, right? Like, I think everybody has a generalization, what they think a hospital, the medical field are, you know, like we all have this, this, you know, this straight point, this grid line, the ways that we think, and it, it not necessarily, it's not necessarily right. So that was the first thing that I learned, like what healthcare, who health, who healthcare is, right? The people behind it you know, their, their, their motivation. The second thing I learned in recruiting was you've learned that different places have different cultures, right? A hospital here is different from a medical center down the street. A, a clinical surgery place is different from a hospice. We kind of generalize it like, oh, it's, they're all restaurants. Everything's like McDonald's, but you know that Burger King is nothing like McDonald's. You know, you realize that, you know, working with different facilities, they're nothing like each other. They all have different goals and different way they treat people and, and even different procedures and the different ways of going about things. What is um, Ultra Health's approach then? Like, what is your approach to recruit, recruitment and placement in the healthcare? I think we take a, a 180 approach at what the business is, right? Like, not necessarily asking people, or we, you know, like, first thing you want to do, like, you want to give a solution to a problem, right? Like, ah, oh, I've got you covered. I've got, I've got the perfect thing for you right here in my back pocket, but really you want to listen to people like, like what kind of person do you want here? Right? Like what kind of staff do you want? You know, like, what are you building? You know, what's your biggest problem? Um, and, you know, working with consulting with some medical facilities really helped me kind of gain a perspective, not only on the different businesses that were out there, but two, uh, what issues do they face? You know, like some people, it's a 24 seven business. You know, it's it's really they think really differently um, from person that's working three shifts a week at 12 hours a day versus, you know, you know, an eight hour shift five days a week. It's a totally different operation and people think totally different, totally different ways about it. Would you say that you it sounds like you get you you seek to seek to understand the business that you are supporting or going to be placing someone in before just picking somebody? It sounds like. You do. You want to you want to understand the business owners, uh, who they're working with, what they're doing, what their job roles are, because even though you might be placing the same role at one facility, if you look at this, you know, it's the same it's the same thing they were doing over here. Like, no, it's not. Sometimes that, that interaction with the group, the people are different. The culture is different. And it's so funny because here in California, we speak to so many different cultures. Right. Like just ethnically, linguistically, uh, culturally. But also, too, when, you know, like you tell a person, well, I'm going to be placing you in Utah. Have you ever been to Utah before? Oh, no, but I heard it's great. I got a friend that lives there. Like, <laughs> like, like no, it's, it's different. Like, it's very different. Like it's different. Like, yeah, going to work every day is not the same. And I think and some people don't realize that until they actually get out there. Right. So they actually start doing the job. Right. So you take that first day to work, that first drive and you're like looking around here. And also, too, I think there's a second part. It's it's also their, your family. You know, you worked eight hours before, but now you're going to be working 10. Is that okay with you? You know, who's going to pick up the kids? 
right? Like, like those little things become big things when you talk about other people's lives as well, because it's, it's just not about one person. So, so do you take that approach with your candidates, even if it may mean that you don't place them somewhere or that you don't fill the placement? I imagine that matters. So do it, you it, work with your candidates on that? You do. I, I, I do. And I, it, it's a long-term approach because yeah. one, I'm only compensated if this works out for, you know, it has to be continuous, you know, it has to be mm -hmm. for a few months that they're there. But two, I want that business to come back to me and like, man, we, we love what you did for us before this program worked out great. Give us another person. And it's that difference between a long-term business and a short-term business, right? I want to be that long-term provider for them. That person that they know they can go to that person. When, when they reach that role, they're like, Oh my gosh, they did a great job of placing me. Let me see if we can resource them now. Um, so it's a long-term approach instead of let's just stick them in here and, you know, the next few weeks they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got it. What does, what does patience mean to you? Man, it, uh, it means the word stop, right? Mm. Uh, like, like sit down, take, take a look around, really kind of gauge what's going around around you and then form a plan, right? That's patience. Like, and sometimes just like we did before we started today, you know, Rodney did it with a breath, you know, <laughs> sometimes being patient is just, you know, hold on a second. Let me, Usah. all right, let's get back to this. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you seem like, have you always been patient or have you had to learn to channel it? No, when I was young in my corporate career, I was impatient. I wanted things to go in that one way, that one direction. Um, I was really kind of impatient when dealing with people. And I think that's one thing that, um, that life teaches you is to be patient. You can get so much more things, more out of just life within itself when you kind of take a step back. That corporate really? impatience is real, right? Um, and I experience it. I'm in this place to evaluate and understand how patience can impact me positively and being more patient. And I'm curious, like, how did you transition to be more patient from that space? Um, I think, I think cor corporations in general, business in general can be impatient because there's bills to pay, right? Like, and there's timelines and we have to understand that not everything operates within that timeline. So really it's, it's really understanding the timeline in general and what we're looking at, right? Like, and assessing that. If you tell someone, okay, this deal is on the horizon and it's going to be three months, they're like, oh my gosh, why can't you get that done? You know, and it seems like it should be done in, in a few weeks. They don't realize the full timeline of what's going on, on the other side. And I think that's one part. I think the other part is, is like, there's this, we have to set expectations from the beginning, right? And I think, that's with all three phases, customers, employees, and shareholders, right? When, when a customer has an expectation when something's going to be delivered, if we set that in front of time, in, in ahead of time, it's okay. Employees have to have that expectation as well. Um, and we have to be honest. Sometimes it's hard for us to be honest in the beginning because, oh, we want this so bad, you know, but really failure is when we don't communicate. Failure doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Failure happens when we fail to communicate. Failure doesn't happen because we didn't deliver. Mm. You had mentioned, and if you don't want to go into this, it's fine, but you'd also mentioned your personal journey on patience over the past four years um, with the political climate from your perspective. 
you mind sharing some of that and how that's guided your journey and to, to patience and listening? Yeah, for, for me to, you know, for to, to hear the other political side of what people were saying, it hurt a little bit, right? To be honest. And I think as this, as far as the political, my, my journey went, as far as listening a little bit, I didn't understand why people were upset, right? Like what had the last eight years done that now you want a total change? Um, and it's funny because I think right now people are saying like, oh, America's never been so divided. Like America's always been divided. Always. It's just that now they're platforms, right? There's platforms for people to be heard. And then we have these groups or, you know, left and right that just kind of like fuel to the fire, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it's really, it's the center. It's the facts-based that keeps you center, right? Like we can all argue as much as we want to. It's hard to argue with facts. And for an example, people say there is no such thing as, as um, global 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 climate a global change in climate right and one opinion is that you know well maybe there is but you know we shouldn't our economy shouldn't suffer for it the other opinion is is that okay if we don't do something we're all going to be affected by it and we look at now you know this last week what are the effects of global China, global climate global changing um i think you know on the political views like people are left back to, to, to texas and uh February, the this the yeah. blizzard and the power. Yeah. Just just reference since we're gonna be releasing okay. this in a few months, probably. People <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll be like, what? What just happened? Wait, what what happened? Something, what happened a week ago? <laughs> something else will happen. Yeah, sure. You oh, know, we, sure. we said the same thing. You know, California's been affected by this for years now, and we've seen it. You know, it's because the drought amount of people we had it was also because of some of the power, yeah, drought, the fires. Um, and people argued about it. Well, yes, it, it's it's an issue, but you know, should we, you know, China does the same thing. You know, there are other countries out there that are polluting more than we are. India does the same thing. You know, why should America stop? And, you know, I, I, I was I want I had to start to listen to people to understand, you know, why they're upset mm. or why, you know, if you shut down a coal mine in West Virginia, why will people be upset about it? You know, and we, we started to do that over the eight year period. We started to shut those down and those people were upset because we we're out of jobs. And what happens when they're out of jobs like. You know, we saw what we do in, in the in the more urban communities when they don't have work. Um, crime went up, drug use went up. And you don't understand that if you don't listen to their frustration. Sometimes we just want to listen to what the right thing is or what the left thing is. And we don't want to really listen, listen to the facts. The facts are so comforting to us. Thank you for those thoughts on on patience. And it is, it's, it's really, it's nice for me to hear somebody explore that um, and, and, and hearing taking the time to hear something that's hurt, that's potentially um, hurtful and, or actually is hurtful and like actually going another layer to understand where it's coming from and to see that maybe it isn't, maybe it's not actually about you, even though well, it does have an effect on you. And then maybe from that place, we can find some change. Something, I know this, one of the things that, that I, when I'm asking somebody to join the podcast or when we're asking somebody, it has a lot to do with energy and you exude a very calm, positive energy. And earlier in the lead up, you said that positive energy is all around us. Sometimes you just got to tap into it. How do you do that? Well, I mean, honestly, um, if you listen to Nikolai Tesla and you look at his inventions that he made, Right. Like, you know, his inventions that he made were 
for everything from re reverse energy, reverse power, the battery, to um, the light bulb, the thoughts of the light bulb, the ray gun. Um, his inventions were made so he could talk to his mother, right? Like his thoughts process was that he was going to invent something that was going to let him enhance the energy of the world. And he talks about vibration, energy, and I forget the third equation that he uses. But in general, I don't like to hang around negative people either, right? Like if something brings me down, I, I just, it's something that in order to get to the positive energy, you've got to stay away from the negative, right? And sometimes we ourselves can be negative, right? Like sometimes it's cool. Uh, just, just like I was popped in this week and listened to you guys bantering on your podcast before you actually started. It was like positive energy because it was just hearing two people talk about their lives that was like in fun and in jest. And I think in order to get to the positive place, we can't be in a negative space, right? Like you, you know, that's why walking outside some days helps. That's why getting away from the desk helps. And sometimes we can't do that, right? Sometimes we're always in a negative situation, but you have to find a way either mentally or physically to get into that positive space. And, and I look at that and I say to myself, you know, how do people that are incarcerated get to that positive space too, right? Like you're always around like negative people, like you're in a jail. Um, how do people that are in a bad family situation, a bad home situation, especially as a kid, how do you get away from that if your parents are negative, if your brothers, if your siblings are negative? You know, growing up for me, that was really tough. And I did that by, you know, you know, playing sports, getting outside, getting into my homework. And I think for me, that's why as a as an adult, like I'm so I get so much into work because I'm able to block off everything else and just get into my space. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think books are important, too, because you can just get into a book like what's this author trying to convey to me the same way. It's it's funny, but having the theaters closed is weird. Right. Like because watching a movie at home is not like a theater. Like when you go to a theater, you're just in what that director wants you to see, what that producer wants you to feel. And it's such a different space. Like you get totally into what they're saying. Everything else is blocked out. Right. Like and I think sometimes through social media, through our environment, like we're pulled into negative energy and we just need to get away from that. So I think that's the challenge is, is can you can you just rely on the positive? Audiobooks, man, are another. That's why I can't wait to, to listen to, you know, The Alchemist now, because I can only imagine what that is like. You know, what's that going to be like when I'm just taking a walk outside? Like, I know it's going to be. Oh, <laughs> <do> you... <laughs> and, it, and it is. It really is. It uh, is. Do you. Yeah. On the staying away from negativity, do you ever find that you're positive, like when you're in peak positive or just like rolling in it, can affect others negative positively? Or does the negative affect your positive more? Which which one which one has a bigger influence in your experience? Oh, I think my I think my energy, just because you know of who I am, I think it I, I think that I'm that type of person that comes into a room, people are like, Oh yeah, like it's you know, it's 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 a good time. You know, like it's dang time. Uh, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I and there are other people that do that for me. You know, that people are just like, yeah, it's well, it's all right. You know, um, um, the people that make you feel at ease, uh, that that feel like the the weight of the world isn't on your shoulders. You know, my wife does that for me a lot of times. Like working from home, and I was really upset when this first hit because I had a great office. You know, so. So, but my wife had never worked from home before. And when she did, it was kind of like, um, it's kind of like when, you know, um, Seinfeld, when Elaine would run into the room and kind of bust into Jerry's apartment 
You know, I felt like I was Martin and I had Broadman from the fifth floor kind of coming in. Like, <laughs> like, it was like, like, like my wife to, is a I'm, try, I'm trying to work here. Me. I'm trying to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a bad mood right now. Don't you know? Yeah, you want to be, but it's hard to be, yeah. right? Like, it's, yeah. it's hard, to, especially when things really started, you know, that wave started hitting. It was like, it was hard to get to the positive. It was hard to, to generate. Like, you, we all were thinking, like, what's going to happen next? Um, but really, like sometimes we have that that thing in our life that's like, all right, let me take a break. <laughs> so, so I see you're not gonna is, let me go down this hole. So <laughs> I think I think there's a you bring up a, a valuable component of this conversation that I think we often talk about that positive energy and this is how to get it and this that, but we often lose the context of like we all get in a negative space, right? There are days where it's just. I don't, I don't want today. How do you manage yourself out of it? And how long does it usually take you? Mm, that's a good question. I, I breathe. And, you know, like, uh, uh, I started playing chess on my phone just mm. so I can take a mental break sometimes. You know, like, like a, a tough call or a tough conversation. I also kind of realized, too, like some of this is brought upon myself. Some of the anxiety that I have. Uh, some of that fear is I'm I'm bringing it upon myself, so I have to think about you know how can I is how can I out channel this, and also too like there's there's always a way to work around it, right? Like just sometimes we have to work harder or we have to th- think smarter, but there is always a way to beat it, you know. In the situation, it's it's funny. A buddy of mine used to say, "Uh, he's no better than anybody else, but I'm better than the situation." Mm. Right? Like you have to be better than the situation at hand. Like I'm. You know, like you and I are going to argue, but, and I'm not better. I'm just, I'm just going to win the situation. Mm. You know? I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. In all of this and taking it back to, you know, the last four years and your perspective on other people in that you've got this drive to bring positive. And it's not just be positive, but bring positive energy, whether it's to the situation, to your mentality, to your mindset, to other people. Like, is that a, like just something you've always done? I mean, you talk about how you always immersed yourself into things, almost as an escapism. Do you, do you see it as a defense mechanism, or is it, have you channeled it to just be, this is something that you have learned and taught yourself to be? It's evolving. You yeah. know, I think it's so hard to be around negative energy that sometimes we accept it. Yeah. Uh, we accept it from our friends. We accept it from our family members. We accept it from our work. Um, they, oh, it's just it's just the way it has to be. It's just you know like, and no, this doesn't have to go down like that. Like like you know, I I just I just refuse to, to me personally. Like I've I've always refused to accept anything less than what I'm than a hundred percent, right? Like uh, and sometimes you know like it's just about us changing the situation. Like we've I think we don't really realize how powerful we are as people, right? Like we really are powerful if we really can tap into it. Right. Like, like, no, I, I'm not going to be that person today. When I get out of here, I'm going to be a totally different human being. You know, I'm not going to do this again. Um, and it's tough. Like, that's that's another part of the fear. Like, maybe you'll lose that friend. Maybe you'll lose that family member. Maybe, you know, like you, you might get fired from your job if you say this. And that's the fear. It's hard. Yeah, no, it definitely is. There's um, a Buddhist philosophy that nothing is. Therefore, it can be anything. 
right? So, you know, nothing exists, um, but everything exists both in the past, present, and in the future, and all at the same time. Like we all exist as one and one being. So whatever happened yesterday is irrelevant to today. It doesn't define you. It doesn't define who you are. It doesn't like today you are a different person. This moment you are different. You are not anything and you are different or you are like that, that, that ecosystem that gives you an opportunity. And it is really hard because you have to practice it. Like you have to put it into practice. You have to practice thinking that just because this is bad in the moment right before this doesn't mean it needs to be bad now. And I don't even need to perceive it as bad, let alone it being bad, because it, it's all about the energy that I decide to channel in an effort to, and then to your point, I mean, it can be hard. If you're paying $35 a night, living in a hotel off the 405, like gripping at your blanket, like it's, it's hard to bring positive energy, right? Like it, it, it can um, be hard, but it's not impossible. It's not it, not only channeling energy, it's also about attention, where you put your attention. If you give, if, because like the negative, like the, the dislikes or the negativity of the situation are sometimes realities. And it is the focus on them versus other things that I think drags the, the, the potential positive down. Uh, if, I, if I live in this thing that annoyed me, this little thing over here, that's what's going to drive me. That's what. That's where I live. I won't see the positive things that are happening. The fact that I woke up, like the you know all the other little things, um, or big things that that can drive the positivity. Which, speaking of channeling energy and channeling positivity, how like our cause is to inspire human connection by anchoring people in compassionate conversation. You, in your talk about the last four years channeled compassion in a way that is really difficult for a lot of people, right? For so many reasons, where does that compassion just for the human existence of other people come from? Like, how do you channel that? I think you honestly have to like some things about other people, right? You have to realize their strong points. Right. Like, and I think everybody does have a strong point. Everybody does have something that, oh my gosh, like they're, that was kind of cool. Like, oh, that was kind of great. Even if you don't even like that person, like everybody has something that's positive about them. Right. And it's hard to hate that person, but you can be like, nah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't agree. But I think we always have to realize, like, okay, there, what, what are the good points of that person? Right. Just, you have to be honest with yourself, even though they might be, on the other side, even though they might be against what you're saying, even though they might be, you know, they, there's, there's still some, some, some good points about those people. Mm -hmm. hmm. Agree. I just posted a thing on Instagram that says, uh, everyone can teach you something like, and it's, it's, it's a riff on a Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, um, that every man, I'm every man I meet along my walks and I'm butchering it, but every man I meet along my walks, it can be my teacher. Um, regardless yeah. of political affiliation, regardless of creed, uh, religion, any of those things. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, one of the things. So when we originally set out was going to be one of my first questions anchored on the idea of, 
um, your 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 bio, right? And you believe like, and this is in writing, in learning from everyone around you, and equate it to your higher strength in life is listening to learn. Like, I mean, that's it, right? And the quote is, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior. And in that, I can learn from him. There it is. Um, now, it's, just, it's a true understanding. I think, I mean, it's, we can all go through like parts of history, maybe leaders that, and, and I'm talking national leaders, figurative leaders. And in history, you know, if, if you were there in that part of history, you'd be like, that was a horrible person. But as we kind of look back upon it and we look upon their lives, you're like, maybe they did some good things, you know? <laughs> and history is is the judge of kind of making things, of, of us picking and choosing the things that we like. And I think the challenge for us today is, okay, maybe that person isn't as bad, you know? Or maybe their thought process wasn't as bad. We just don't agree. And not and everything even, has to be negative. And even if they were as bad as they uh, seem to be, that doesn't, they still learn from them. Like I, I had an instance at work where a leader berated me and my boss at the time together, like just laid in. It was really uncomfortable. <laughs> and afterwards I was just like, oh my God, like, do I have a job? Like what what's happening? <laughs> and I called that, I called that boss and his, he was so cool, man. He's still, he's just, he's just a calm dude. He's just like, you know what, you know what I learned? I learned what kind of leader I do not want to be. Mm. And like, so I can learn from you even if I don't like you, or even if you're just like everything you've done, I, I, I can't subscribe to any of it. I can still learn from you. And if I can learn from you, I can have compassion for you. Even if you and I never talk again. Uh, I, I, I mean, the one that sticks out of my head is Adolf right now. Like if like his progression to, to, the reign of terror, there's nothing good about it, but it informs how a society can move and how a society can be corrupted. And we have a choice. Like we can learn from that or we can let that happen again. Speaks to the complexities of the human experience that, I mean, and it's psychological. We simplify others. We, but at the end of the day, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt because we just have a bigger lens. And um, it's, it's up to us to widen our own lens for other people so we can let compassion in, even if we disagree with them, dislike them, care nothing at all about them other than I have compassion for their humanity. Well, mm -hmm. listen. <laughs> and so we have to kind of like abruptly, it's, it kind of feels weird, like it's abruptly coming to this space where we can go in so many different directions. Um, we always have one final question. And... Um, first, we want to thank you for joining us and taking taking this time to just explore like space. Like that's how I feel right now. Like we just explored, and navigated the human connection. It was just it was great. It was a great <laughs> conversation, and I really appreciate it. I want to and I want to thank you for the just the thoughts on patience and that from a business standpoint, from personal standpoint. Mm -hmm. That's really that's like what you, what you said about well, being taking that hurt and that frustration from what you were hearing and actually taking that and saying, maybe I should listen more and then learning more about what was driving it. Like that's that like we're, compassionate conversation. That's a clinic on mm -hmm. like how to have compassion <laughs> for somebody. Yeah. And, uh, just this is amazing. So yeah. I appreciate you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you.
So I'm a, um I'm a, I'm bring it full circle with the final question. What would you like to leave everybody with? Um, <laughs> I think you know as um. I think we all should look at our situations a little more, right? Like, how can we be a better person, right? Like, and not just, you don't have to be the same person you are today that you can be tomorrow. Like when we finish this conversation, when people finish listening to this podcast, they can decide I'm going to be a totally different person. I'm going to be a better person, right? And I don't, I think every day I'm, I'm just trying to learn how I can be a better person, you know? And, and that's something I think everybody can do. Like, how can I be better, right? Like, how can I be more creative? How can I listen more? How can I have more fun? You know, like, am I really paying attention or am I kind of just, you know, kind of glossing it over? Right. And then on the second part, too, um, I heard this. Uh, a friend of mine died at an early age and she said, uh, I want you to go out and I want you to be uncomfortable helping someone else. Right. And she said, I don't mean um, holding the door open for old ladies. You know, like, I want you to do something really, really hard. Right. And mm -hmm. I think um, that's what I'm trying to do as well. You know, like, um, uh, what can I do to, to help other people that that's going to, it's going to be discomforting to me, um, especially now, especially we're at a time when people are frustrated, when the world is divided, people are divisive. Um, when George Floyd is, is going to be an ever uh, ringing ears, especially in the, the minds of, of youth and uh, people in urban communities, you know, how, how can I help? 